the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hallelujah. Hi, everybody. This is Ron Geyer with more End Time Insights. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're excited about this topic again. We're going to speak about one of the areas that the body of Christ seems to be needing some help in that isn't spoken about often enough. It's called judgment and all aspects of judgment. I don't know that I'll get through with it today, but there's more weeks to come. But in light of the church, the failure of the church to discern the difference, it seems, between good and evil, right and wrong, and our reluctance to correct one another, I think we need to look at the Bible, a fresh look at judgment in the Bible to understand exactly what Jesus was saying when he said, judge not lest you be judged. You know, there's a big problem that we have is that we tend to fear judgment. And because we fear judgment, we don't understand judgment. And because we don't understand judgment, we don't talk about judgment. And because of that, we don't know how to make proper righteous judgments. So we want to look at what the Bible says. Is this the plan of God? Are we not supposed to be judging? Or is this something that's come down and we swallowed it because the world doesn't want us looking at them with a critical eye? But the truth of the matter is we make judgments all day long. I made a judgment what time that I needed to leave the house to get here today to make sure I would be on time for the studio. You make judgments what you're going to wear to work, uh, who you're going to have lunch with. You make judgments about your children Well, this is wrong behavior to your child, or this is right behavior. You praise them when they're right, you correct them when they're wrong. But we make judgments. We are equipped by God with minds that have the ability to discern right from wrong. Animals don't have that. We know the difference between right and wrong. And we're supposed to be exercising that discernment so that we can live a successful life that gives God glory. Uh, Judgment. Let me see. I've got some really great scriptures here. We're going to talk about personal judgment. We're going to talk about the judgment that God has upon nations, remedial judgments, when he wants to get our attention. But let's start with personal judgment. I I see there's so much comments about judgment. We are scared of it because we think it condemns people. We confuse judgment for correction with judgment for condemnation. And God has not called us to condemn anybody. Let me read you the scripture in John 12, 47. Jesus is talking about, he says, If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. So Jesus is telling the religious people in John 12, verse 47, I'm not here to judge the world right now. So we go ahead, we make a doctrine out of that, where we're not supposed to be judging the world. We're not supposed to be judging the sinners. And yet, if you read into the scripture, you'll understand a little better. Let's look at that in the amplified version. Uh, There's another rendering of it. In John three sixteen, John three seventeen, in the Amplified, for God did not send his son Jesus into the world to judge and condemn the world, that is, to initiate the final judgment of the world, 
but that the world might be saved through him. So we have some more insight through another scripture, a companion scripture, John 12 and John 3. Jesus is saying that I did not come into the world for the final judgment. This is not why I am here. I am here to offer the world eternal life. And we need to make that distinction because Jesus is saying there will be a final judgment, but this isn't that time. So we need to understand exactly the purpose of Jesus. This is the day of salvation. This is the era, the age of grace, the time of the individual judgment. Uh, some call it the white throne judgment it's found in Revelation. When we will stand before God, we give an account. That is when we will have to fess up either Jesus Christ, we rejected him or Jesus Christ, we accepted him. And we will be judged according to that basis. When Jesus says, I came not to judge the world, he was referring to that white throne judgment, which will take place at the end of the millennial period when the final judgment by God would be ministered to all mankind. Let me read you that scripture. That's in Revelation twenty eleven, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for the earth or for the heaven. We have taken Jesus' words to conform to man's humanistic, man's carnal thinking, man's pagan thinking, that there will be no judgments on the earth here and now. When all that he said is, no, there will be no final judgment on the earth here and now while Jesus is here. If we ascribe to that as a truth, then we remove all accountability from the church and from society as well. And that's what we've done. The world doesn't want us judging their sin. Nobody wants us to be correcting themselves. Nobody wants to suffer a rebuke. And yet Jesus plainly says, those whom I love, I rebuke, I chastise, I correct. And we in the body, you must understand judgment within the body is the self-cleansing mechanism within the body of Christ. We have a body of Christ that's walking around stuck in our sin. Preachers are telling us we're not supposed to repent. We only repent once. We've got people qualifying sin, and it's no more, it's just sin, but we make mistakes. Let's call it what it is, it's sin. And when we refuse to talk about this stuff, we're leaving the body with the stain of sin upon us. The Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Unfortunately, you know, It's not the world that is causing us not to talk about judgment. It's the church that's refusing to make these judgments. I don't expect the world to have the the ability, the spiritual insight, the spiritual authority to give us the wisdom and to make us these judgments to tell us what's right and what's wrong and how to correct it. But I'm hearing this doctrine from the church that there shouldn't be any judgment within the church. Double shame on us. We need to get back to the word of God and obey the word of God. All Jesus said is that his appearance has nothing to do with final end time judgment. It is not a license. It is not a dismissal of making judgments that we need to make sure that we as Christians stay clean in the earth. And I don't want to sound overly harsh, but, you know, this is a doctrine of Satan. This is heretical. It's Satan who distorts the scriptures, not us Christians. What should tell us about those who promote such nonsense? You know, are you a false teacher? Do you just have one area of blindness in you? When we make church-wide declarations that we are not to judge, we do the body of Christ great harm. It's the wrong spirit. In addition to causing the church to become silent, then which is the voice of morality in the earth today, it also assures that when God himself exercises judgments in the earth, we fail to recognize it as such because we have become calloused or indifferent to judgment. Look at another scripture. This is the one I think that most people will remember. Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that you be not judged. There you go. Seven words right there. We've made entire lifelong doctrinal issues about that. 
judge not that you be not judged. Jesus said it right there, Matthew 7, 1. Let's read on. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Why do you look at or behold the mote that is in your brother's eye, but you don't consider the beam that is in your own eye? Or how will you say to your brother, let me pull out the mote of your eye and behold, a beam is in your eye. You hypocrite, Jesus says, first cast out the beam out of your own eye. Then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. I see Christian leaders post these scriptures and teach on them and comment on them, revealing their lack of understanding about what the head of the church, Jesus Christ, is trying to say to us in the body. They quote the first seven words. It becomes a churchwide doctrine. This scripture is not saying don't judge one another. Truth is, it is telling us to judge one another. This scripture is teaching us how to judge one another. I feel sorry for the people that sit under the false teaching that tells you otherwise. The problem in America, as I see it, is that our nation is the product of good-hearted people, ignorant of the word of God, good-hearted Christian leaders, promoting doctrines of devils, which cause the church to cower in fear from the opinions of man. The last thing we want to do is be called a hater because we've gone ahead and we've judged the situation. The last thing we want to do is be outed from social media or unpopular or intolerant because that we've made a doctrinal error, as they would see it, by judging someone or something. And this is just one carnal aspect of today's church in America, men substituting the fear of man for the fear of God and the revelation knowledge of God's Holy Spirit that comes when one walks in the fear of the Lord. What this has done to America and what this is going to do to America in the future, it's going to be just like what happened at the church at Ephesus. We are excelling at our works. We are great at being the hands and feet of Jesus. But we suppose that because of our works, we need not the lip of truth. The Bible says the lip of truth shall be established forever. We have sacrificed truth by doing things in the carnal realm that sound good, that are good, that are merely religious in their basis. We need to get back to walking in the realm of the Spirit, which includes preaching and teaching the Word of God. We suppose our carnal works justify us before the Lord, yet God has called us to save their souls, not meet their needs. Back to the Word. The above scripture that we read in Matthew, it's not telling us not to judge at all. It doesn't even warn us about judging. It warns us about hypocrisy in judgment. It says, if you've got something wrong with you, you go get yourself first before you take care of your brother. But notice the key part of that scripture. You hypocrite. First, cast out the beam out of thine own eye. Okay, there it is right there. Judge yourself, right? Get the beam out of your own eye. But notice, then you shall see clearly to cast the mote out of your brother's eye. The bottom line is God wants the mote out of the brother's eye. And he's charging you to do it. But he says, don't do it with a hypocritical spirit. Don't do it while you're committing the same sin. But hey, man, I want my brother restored. And we just don't catch that in the scripture. We read the first seven words and we stop. It is a great scripture because it not only helps restore the brother, but it helps restore you also. Actually, the word there, when it says judge, not lest you be judged, the Greek word is krino, K-R-I-N-O, and it means to decide as in mentally or judicially to pass judgment, to condemn, to punish, to damn, or to sentence. That's what the Greek word is there, and it really should be translated condemn, not lest you be condemned. But judging is fine. It's a word we shy away from. Like I said at the beginning, 
we fear the word judgment. We fear judgment. Therefore, we don't teach about it. And when we don't teach about it, we don't understand it. And when we don't understand it, it renders us incapable of exercising proper judgment. You know, Jesus is simply saying here, I don't mind you judging harshly one another. Matter of truth, I recommend it. But make sure you don't do it with a hypocritical spirit. You help no one when that is your method and that is your motive. You're not uh, judging to condemn. You're judging to correct. Yet that scripture is misread, misunderstood, misquoted, and misapplied. It has silenced the church and removed our witness from us. Remember, the goal of the scripture is to help one's brother. The goal here isn't to condemn. It's to lighten and lessen. It's to restore. It's to lighten and lighten one's eyes to the truth so that they can go on with their Christian walk and lighten their load. That's the purpose of the scripture. We in the body are working together. Remember, judgment within the body, it's the self-cleansing mechanism within the body. Now, in order to promote such worldly doctrines, one would have to delete several other scriptures in the Bible that command us to rebuke, to correct, to call out, and to cast out brothers and sisters who are sinning in the church. Jesus constantly judged others, but no, it wasn't the final judgment which sentenced them to condemnation and sentenced them to hell or wherever their future was going to be uh, because of their lifestyle. Jesus is constantly judging others. Paul actually kicked the guy out of the church in 1 Corinthians 5. He didn't kick him out to condemn him. He kicked him out to correct him. He didn't want him infecting the other believers. Peter challenged a husband and a wife, Ananias and Sapphira, and he, he made a judgment. And they were actually slain by the Holy Spirit. Jude, Timothy, they all warn us against people coming into the church with such false doctrine. John tells us to judge people's spirits. You must know the spirit behind people. That's why so many false teachers are allowed in our churches today, because we become incapable of judging them. Hebrews 5.14, it talks about strong meat belongs to them who are full of age, mature in Christ, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. John tells us to try the spirits. Judge the spirits. Right here we see in Hebrews, we're supposed to be practicing these judgments so that we become proficient in knowing the difference between what's good and what's evil, what's right and what's bad, what's righteous and what's unrighteous, what's of God and what's not of God, what's carnal and what's spiritual. We're supposed to know all this stuff. The Amplified of Hebrews 5, 14, the Amplified Classic. This is great. But solid food is for full-grown men, for those whose senses and mental faculties are trained by practice to discriminate and distinguish between what is morally good and noble and what is evil and contrary, either to divine or human law. We ought to be trained by practice to judge between right and wrong. Furthermore, to correct those within the body who are wrong. If you see me doing something that is wrong, I need you to correct me. I don't run from that. You know, I'm a Christian. I love God. I read my Bible. I pray. I talk to God. I receive teaching. The idea is I want to honor God. I want to please God, but I'm not going to do it by avoiding some things that might be difficult to do. You know, we experience God's presence, not so much in the mountaintop, but we experience God's presence in the valleys. Israel got its greatest miracles when they were struggling, when they had their greatest persecution. God shows up when you're on enemy ground. God shows up when you're in enemy territory. God shows up when you're under the assault of the enemy. And it's so important that we allow him to do this by not thinking that the world is telling us how we're supposed to act. We don't conform to the world. The world is supposed to be conforming to us, but we have it backwards. It's, it's compromised our witness and we're not doing people much good. 
Galatians 6.1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. There you see it right there. God is all about using a judgment to restore somebody. So many Christians are walking around. They need restoration. They're wounded. They're out of the will of God. They're bruised. They're in sin. It is our job not only to win the lost, but I firmly believe I'm my brother's keeper. Yes. And he's my keeper. We need one another. But we need one another in the commonality of the word of God. I don't need somebody to tell me things that aren't written in the Bible or to try to go ahead and make a doctrine that's not identified, that's not spelled out in the Bible. We have the Holy Spirit. That's our common ground. You have the Holy Spirit. I've got the Holy Spirit. But here's the key. He confirms God's word, not my word, not Harry's word, not somebody else's word. He confirms God's word with signs and wonders following. But we need to stay in the word of God. The word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing asunder. The soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. It is so important we allow the word of God to minister to us in truth. Restoration first needs judgments before it can proceed any further. If I'm out of the will of God, if I've been bruised or I've been wounded, we go to the word of God and you make a judgment and then you come and you help me after checking yourself out, the Bible says, right? But then also it says here, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual. If you're living a carnal life, if you're living in sin, you're not going to be used of God to help me. But if you are spiritual, if you are walking in love, if you are receiving the word of God, if you are confessing your sins and getting clean when you mess up, then you have the opportunity to restore me also. But it also says restore such one in the spirit of meekness. There's a humility to this. If I see you getting drunk, I come up to you because I love you, because I love God. I may not even know you, but I know that you're a Christian and I see you compromising your witness. I take you aside quietly one-on-one and I pray with you and I just let you know, hey, brother, this isn't right. But I've done it not looking down on you. I've done it knowing that I'm not drinking. And those are the two requirements that God has. You do it in the spirit of meekness after you have made sure that you're not guilty of doing the same thing. Hypocritical judgment is not for the body of Christ. It won't work and it won't get you anywhere. Once again, judgment within the body is the self-cleansing mechanism that God uses to create a church without spot or wrinkle. When we adhere to his word and obey his truths, that brings sanctification to the body. I read it yesterday. It was in John. The Bible talks about John 17, my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. John 17, we are sanctified by the word of truth. It is so important that we use the word of God for everything. He trusts us. He relies upon us to do the job. He assigns us this job of helping and correcting one another. It's like us. We're doing the dirty work in the body. We're getting the body cleaned. We're challenging them. This is the pastoral ministry. This is what shepherding is all about. We're not leaving us to our own devices. But in the same way, God cleanses us as a people, as a nation. He relies upon us to do the job of cleansing the body or the dirty work as it was. And in this manner, we can identify with God who's trying to straighten out our nation. But it seems the church is incapable of telling America the things that are wrong with it. At the end of the day, the things that we're doing are because we are out of fellowship with God as a nation. And we should be challenging the world's sin. We should be challenging the sin in America. Number one, that's where God's going to show up. Number two, that's where the Holy Spirit can work and bring conviction to get the sinner right with God again. But God does it in so many ways because he loves us. Number one, 
You look at the administration before President Trump, it was an evil administration under President Obama. He represented the World Globalist Union. He represented the One World Government. He represented socialism. He represented the spirit of Antichrist through lawlessness, the promotion of ungodly sexual behavior. God could have continued to judge us. We could have gotten deeper into God's judgment right then and there. But no, because God loves us, he made a judgment. And he said, I am going to send my goodness to America in the form of President Trump, a man who just got prayer back in school, a man who is fighting against abortion, a man who is protecting the church, a man who appoints Christians to high positions of authority, a man who stands with Israel, a man who protects our borders, a man who's done everything right to get the economy up and running where we are prospering again as just regular Joes going to work. He's doing a great job, but that represents the goodness of God. And what do we know about the goodness of God? The Bible says the goodness of God lead us to repentance. When we are under the goodness of God, it's not because he's rewarding us for a job well done. That comes later. When we're under the goodness of God, it's because he wants to bring us to repentance. When we get God's goodness, we also get repentance. I pray that this is a national gift. We have national repentance in America right now. We have the opportunity to turn from our sins as individuals. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their sin, the promise is I would forgive their sins. I would heal their land. That's a socioeconomic. That is a physical. That is a a healing of the land. It's a healing of the people of the land. It's a healing on very many levels. And that's the promise. But we've got to quit sinning. We've got to start praying. We've got to start finding him when we pray. It's so important. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men would count slackness, but it's long suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The bottom line is through President Trump and through a small resurgence in a remnant in the church, God is pulling out all the stops to get through to America. He has sent his prophets. Step number one, when we don't read the Bible and we don't obey the Bible, he sends his goodness. And that should cause us to repent. The spirit of repentance is there. We have the opportunity to receive that. He's made the judgment. Hey, America is ripe for repentance. If we turn our back on that, then he'll send a prophetic voice. He'll send someone like David Wilkerson. He'll send someone like Franklin Graham, constantly calling out the church today about our sin. Dr. Jeffers. There are some great guys out there. John Hagee. People who love God that are calling the church to repentance, that are calling our nation. We've got the sin where we've killed 60 million children. That's just amazing. We aborted them in their mother's womb. The only creature that God ever created that actually goes into the womb of the mother to kill, take the life of the child. That is sick. That is depraved. And yet God is loving us by sending us his goodness, by sending us his prophets. If we reject the voice of the prophets, remember, I remember, what was it? It was a few years ago. I think it was 2015. The Supreme Court was voting on whether we were going to make law gay marriage. We were going to go ahead and sanction that. And God sent Jonathan Kahn. He wrote The Harbinger. He wrote a couple of books, The Paradigm. And God sent him as a prophetic voice. He went to the Senate. He went to the Congress and he spoke and he prophesied and he called out the Supreme Court and said, don't you do this. Don't you do this. But the next day we did do that. So we didn't listen to the prophet of God. The next step then, God sends remedial judgments to America. And we may speak about this next week. 
But there are things that happen, especially when we are sinning, when we have lost our moral compass, when we're ignoring the voice of God. Uh, He'll send remedial judgments in the form of perhaps California wildfires, in the form of perhaps 9-11, in the form of perhaps Hurricane Andrew. He will talk to us through the weather. He will talk in Israel. He talked to them. He let the Assyrians or he would let somebody go in there and destroy them because of their rebellion towards God. I'm running out of time. I think I'm going to pick this up next week. I've got some great stuff. Uh, Walter Koenig has a book out there where he talks about some of the remedial judgments that God has sent to America. And, you know, when 9-11 came, we had a big resurgence back in church. People started going back to church because they actually feared what was going on. Is this the hand of God? Is God displeased with our nation? Yes and yes. But we haven't really done anything about that. We haven't learned. We haven't really taken these promises, the gift of repentance, and really brought about a spirit of national repentance. And that's our prayer. I want to pray for you guys because it's so important. In your individual lives, God is speaking to you. If you're like me, you're not perfect. If you're like me, you can have a closer relationship with God. God's drawing you closer than ever before. If there's something in the way that's keeping you from that fellowship with God, you need to get it under the blood, repent of it, make a judgment upon yourself. If we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. I pray that you have the mind of God concerning this. I pray that you have a great week, that you listen to God, that you read your Bible, and you draw closer to Him. We'll see you next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.